Thanks for tuning in to the Glenridge Church message. Our mission is to love God, love people, and live to change the world. If we can help you in any way at all, feel free to reach out to us on hello at glenridge.org.za. Just a, a quick exhortation before we get going into what I feel like God wants to speak to us about now is, uh, is that we really do, at this time, need to be thinking about the bigger picture. And uh, it was, wasn't it wonderful to see the, the, the lands and their family? Jonas looks a little bit different to what he left, what he looked like when he left. He looks like a snowman now, but, that, but that's okay. And, um, and that beautiful word, pleasant surprise. And I believe we walk into the pleasant surprises of God when we keep our, when we keep our, our, our picture big and our view big and Jesus at the center. And really, that is one of the key things that as a community, as, as Jesus followers, we have to make sure we're doing at this time. If we start to get too granular down to the, to the nitty bitties, it can very quickly distract us and very quickly take us off track. And we've got to make sure that we stay connected to Jesus, that we stay connected to uh, some good friends, some good family, some, some good uh, people that are around us, that we can be encouraged in him. And making sure that we are keeping the picture big, that the purpose that he's called us to hasn't changed. And we've got to make sure that we're keeping on moving towards what God's called us to as a community, as individuals, as families, into, into the things, into the kingdom dynamics that he's called us to go into. We are part of that story. The story hasn't, uh, Patrick and Shannon started speaking about the training that Rand Kath are going to be doing about the story of God and participating in that story of God. And what is that big story that's never changed, that started in Genesis and will end in Revelation and his, his second coming? But actually, that big story doesn't change no matter what situation the church finds itself in, no matter what context the church finds itself in. And we've got to make sure that we continue to move forward in that story. So what I want to do this morning is I want to continue with, the, with these two texts that we've been looking at, Isaiah 61 and Matthew chapter 9. Isaiah 61 is the sovereign Lord has anointed Jesus to do all that is needed to redeem and to restore humanity back to where uh, we were meant to be in relationship with God. And then he goes on to say, and you people, you people that I'm restoring, you're going to be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord and a display of my splendor. And so there's a whole bunch of things that Jesus does. But there's a whole lot of responsibility that we take as Jesus begins to work on us. And uh, we, we've got a job to do. We begin to participate in that story, not just know the story. And uh, it goes on to say that you'll be rebuilders and restorers of places that have been long devastated. He also moves on to say that you'll be priests and ministers. Um, and there's this rebuilders and restorers, priests and ministers that come out of Isaiah 61 that the people of God are called to be. And that doesn't change even if you're in the middle of a pandemic, a SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19 pandemic. You, we still are called to be those people. And we've got to make sure that we keep the big picture big. And we need to make sure that we keep the main thing the main thing and Jesus big, as big in our view as possible and not get too granular, as I said earlier, because we can easily get distracted, easily get discouraged. And I think purpose helps us to move forward in what God's got for us. So 
Matthew chapter 10, 9, going into chapter 10 is the other one where it talks about Jesus looked at the crowds and he, the, he saw that they were harassed and helpless, like, like sheep without a shepherd. And he instantly sees that moment as these harassed and helpless people that, that haven't got somebody to guide them. They haven't got somebody to lead them. They haven't, they haven't got a king. They don't know the creator of the universe that could guide them and help them and move them forward and, and bring peace into their lives and bring joy into their lives and, and kind of settle them like sheep have when they've got a shepherd. He sees, he doesn't look at that as a negative thing. He says, man, this is an opportunity for the harvest to come. And so he says, but what we need, he says to his disciples, is that what we need is we need harvesters. You need to pray that the Lord of the harvest would raise up harvesters that would go into his fields and do the work. And so there's these three things, uh, rebuilders and restorers, priests and ministers, shepherds and harvesters that the church is called to, has always been called to, but especially over this time that we've got to take our place in the kingdom story and begin to participate in that story and take our rightful place. Stay big, stay purposeful, all those sorts of things. But what I want to do is I want to look at Matthew chapter 10 now, where it goes on from that. And he says these, he says this. He says, he called the 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who, are called, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, J James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Sim Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And so what he does, he, he chooses these 12. And the question I have this morning is, why did he choose those 12? What, why, why did he choose those 12? A little bit later on in the book of Luke, we see he sends out the 72, and he gives them the same command to go and pray for the harvesters. So whether he's sending out the 12 or the bigger number, and those numbers are, have significance in the scriptures. 12 represents the 12 tribes of of Israel, and so he's saying, I want the, all of Israel back into my, into my care. And the 72 represents the nations. So he's saying, actually, I want all, not just Israel, but I want all the nations to have a shepherd and not to be harassed and helpless. And those numbers have significance. But it's amazing that he says the same thing to the 12 and the same thing to the 72. Go into the harvest, ask the Lord of the harvest to raise up harvesters in that, they, that my field would be well harvested. But I want to look at this. Why did he choose those 12? What, what was the significance of choosing the 12? Well, I think there's, there's, there's numbers of reasons why, but I've got a few here that I think would be instructive to us as we try to keep the big picture, as we try to participate in what God is doing in our lives and in the, in the life of the kingdom. Friends, the kingdom of God is continuing to move. The kingdom of God is continuing. Nothing can withstand the kingdom of God. The Bible says that not even the gates of hell will prevail as the kingdom advance advances. The kingdom of God is a moving entity. It's not stationary. The kingdom of God is moving, and we are called to be on the prophetic cutting edge of that kingdom with what he's doing and how he's doing it. And that doesn't change no matter what time we live in, whether you stay in the first century or you're in the 21st century. We are called by God to be on the cutting edge of his kingdom as a prophetic people. And... Um, the first thing I look at when I see 
this group of people is I, I see this, they ordinary people. They are common, they're just normal people. They, they, they're you and me. They, they're not specially uh, kind of academically qualified. They're not specifically wealthy. They're not very specifically influential. They're just ordinary people. I think Jesus chooses ordinary people. And I almost want to say to do extraordinary things, but if I say that, some people will say, yeah, but how do I do extraordinary things? And it kind of can be a bit intimidating. I want to say this. I want to say he chooses ordinary people to do ordinary things extraordinarily well. And so he uses these ordinary people that come from everyday walks of life. Um, fishermen, tax collectors, brothers, are just these ordinary groups of people and, and uses it for greatness. And God wants to take our ordinariness and use it for greatness, which means that he chooses people from all walks of life in all manners of being and puts greatness before them and says, I want you to walk into it. That's one of the reasons why I think he chose these 12. The second reason why I think he chose these 12 is when you look at this group, they're quite diverse. And so I think all the time when God chooses people, he chooses ordinary people, which is encourages us that actually God wants to use you and me. There's nobody that is left behind. There's nobody that's not part of the expectation of God to participate in what he's doing. But they're also a very diverse group of people. You have a tax collector who was considered a sellout in the day as well as Simon the Zealot, who was considered this extreme patriot, or he was this kind of nationalist on steroids. He was this, this kind of, and you've got both these guys in this diverse group. You've got marketplace people, and you've got family members all in this group. It's a very, and you've got people that potentially didn't know each other. So, so you've, you've got all these groups of people that know each other to different degrees. Um, one's a nationalist kind of patriot, he wants to take this thing by force if it, if he, if it kind of was up to him. And the other guy's a tax collector who's kind of sided with the other dudes. And, and he pulls them together in this team and he chooses them. And it's an absolute wonder of the kingdom, friends, that God will take such a diverse group of people and pull them into a community and say, that is my church to minister to the world. God will take people from other ends of the spectrum politically. We'll take people from other ends of the spectrum economically. We'll take people from other ends of the spectrum socially and pull them together and say, that is my church in which I want to work, through which I want to work. It's an incredible thing, friends, that when people love Jesus, they learn to love people that are completely different to themselves. And this is a major challenge right now with all the different sides and the division that happens in, in the thinking and on social media. Friends, the church is called, because of our relationship to Jesus, to find each other in love and to learn to love each other even when we have very varying views on how the world should be. And the backgrounds, various backgrounds, friends, various, just in all sorts of diverse things. And diversity, God pulls us together and says, because you love me, I'm going to teach you to love each other. And do you know what the mark of your community is going to be? 
is your love for one another. Friends, we've got to make sure that we are staying connected at this time. And we've got to make sure that we're staying connected to those that we know, that we are familiar with. But we've also got to try and pull into that, into that some diversity. And remember, there are lots of people that are not like us, but have the same kingdom vision, have the same kingdom purpose. And when God puts us together with the same purpose and with the same love and with the same mind, even though we may differ politically, we can forge the kingdom together and we can find each other and be shaped by each other in an incredible way. I think one of the reasons why he chose those specific 12 is not just because they were ordinary, but because they were so diverse. Isn't it amazing? Which means the church is called to be diverse and we've got to have bigness in us. So when we find somebody that has got differing views to us, what keeps us going together and working together? What, what stops us from focusing on the difference? What stops us from focusing on our diverse backgrounds? Well, the purpose that God has for us keeps us focused in the big thing. And the love that God puts in our hearts for one another keeps us together and keeps us moving forward. It's such a beautiful thing that the world needs at this time. And I believe that's one of the reasons why he put those people together. Friends, simple people from diverse backgrounds were the building blocks of the early church. And we've got to make sure that we live in the fullness of that and eat from the richness and the nourishment that that brings into our lives. But there's some, one or two other things that I believe, the reasons why I believe he chose those particular um, 12. And we see these, I've, I've looked at the three accounts of him choosing the 12, both in Matthew chapter 10, which is what we've read now, but also Luke chapter 6, uh, verse 13, there's, a, there's an account, and in Mark chapter 3, verse 13 as well, there's, there's three accounts of him calling the 12. And I've had a, look at the, had a look at all three of them calling those 12 and, and tried to come up with some really simple things about, and for some of you, this will, be, this will be just a reminder. And I think part of what we need at this time is we need to be reminded of who we are and whose we are and what God's called us to. And make sure that we're staying big, as I emphasize that again. Well, from Luke chapter 6, verse 13, it says this. It says, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. So, so what he does is he chooses all of his disciples. So the 12 weren't the only ones that were there. He calls all of his disciples, all that are following him. All that would, who, are, who are learning from him, all who are looking and seeing, oh, who is this guy? They just, there's a crowd. He calls them and he chooses 12 from among them. And oh, that's fascinating for me. I mean, imagine being him now having to choose 12. How disappointed the others must have been that I wasn't chosen. But why, why, why did he choose those 12? Why did he choose those 12? And it is amazing that he calls them. He calls all people. It's an amazing thing that God would call us. He doesn't conscript us. He doesn't force us. God is looking for, Jesus is looking for volunteers that will willingly follow him. God, Jesus is never going to ask us to follow, do something that we're not prepared to do. It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal thing. Jesus calls us and Jesus is calling us at this time. 
And He's not going to force us. We can choose to duck out. We can choose not to follow. We can choose not to heed His voice. We can choose, and, and, and it's not a wise choice, but we can choose. We've got the freedom and the authority for ourselves to choose for ourselves. But it's amazing that He calls them. He calls them. And then those that pitch up, out of those he pitches, that pitch up, he chooses. I think one of the th- reasons, so he calls us, we see that from the scriptures, he calls us. Friends, Jesus is calling us at this time. Jesus is calling us at this time. I want to remind us that we've got to continue to respond to him. We've got to continue to choose him. As much as he wants to choose us, we've got to choose him. And one of the reasons why I think he chose those 12 is they kind of pitched up. They were present. They were not just there in the crowd. There, there was something on them. I, in one of the accounts, it says that Jesus was praying all night. And then he came down and he chose the 12. So there's something of the sovereign hand of God. I, you've got to say that there's something of the choosing of God over them. But I think there's some other things. I think they responded to the call. I think they responded to the call. If they didn't respond to those, if Jesus called them and they didn't come to him, they wouldn't have been chosen. They wouldn't have been there. They didn't pitch up. And I think at this time, friends, we've got to be pitching up with God. And we've got to be pitching up. Our presence is important. And our presence, not just for our families, but actually our presence, a greater community needs our presence. And somehow in the midst of not meeting together and not being able to meet each other, and we're trying to find creative ways to connect with people, we've got to be present with people. And we need people present with us. But then what he does is he calls them, and then he, and he chooses some. But this is what I want, to, I want to say this. He chooses some to continue to train. It's incredible, friends, outside of the cross and Jesus going in that last, those last few days, Jesus going to the cross and dying for, for all of humanity or as a man, as God, to reconcile all of humanity back to God, back to the Father. Outside of that, the most important thing Jesus did for three years of his ministry was to train disciples, to train people. Friends, are we being trained? Are we growing? Are we continuing to grow? Because if we're not growing, remember we're in a kingdom that's advancing. If we are not growing, in many respects we're going backwards. We've got to be continually on our growing edge. We've got to be continually growing. He chooses 12 to train them. And the reason, it's like he says, yeah, that guy's interested. He's got a heart for it. And he kind of pulls them in. Friends, I want to ask us, have we got that heart at the moment? Are we pitching up are we available and saying choose me choose me i want to grow more i want to learn more i want to be i want to be at the front of what you're doing i want to i want to be on the prophetic edge of what you're doing i want to take my family there i want to take my friends there friends jesus is wanting to train others to continue the work that he started he chose these 12 and those 12 became the bedrock of the church that went on and taught and trained many others to the point, to the point that actually the church becomes what it was. And in 300 years after that, the church becomes the predominant force in the world. But friends, it took patience. It took suffering. It took a whole lot of stuff as the church was trained, as called and trained to be what it was called to be. 
Jesus was so interested in multiplying himself that he chose these 12 to continue the work. Friends, are we multiplying ourselves? Are we investing in others? Are we so consumed with ourselves at this time? That's what I keep saying. If we start getting granular, friends, it'll be all about us rather than the great commission that he's called the church to. As soon as we stop stepping, start stepping away from just ourselves and start stepping into space for others, friends, God's grace is there. And we get our eyes off of our smallness and, gets onto, and put our eyes back onto his bigness. Are we continuing to reach? Are we continuing to put our hands up and say, that's us. We want to be with him. The third thing, fourth thing actually, fifth thing. He chooses, he chooses ordinary people. He chooses a diverse group of people. He chooses, he calls people. He calls, he calls people, he wants people to respond. The call of God, the voice of God is calling us into more. He then chooses some to continue to train. And he says this, particularly in Mark, he says, so that they could be with him and so that he could send them out. He could designate them apostles. He could, they could send them out to be with him. You see, any sending, any, any movement in God, any, any kingdom advance starts with us being with him. Us being with him. And so when we live in the big picture of the presence of God, we know this. We've got to find space with him. Every harvester, rebuilder, priest or minister starts with being with him. And this, again, is kind of 101 basic Christianity, discipleship. But friends, we've got to remember these things. We've got to make sure that we are building from the bottom up. We continue to make sure that whatever we do, that we want to be amongst those that are with him. We go from the presence of Jesus into the presence of the world. When we try to interact with the presence of social media and the presence of world and the presence of ideologies and the presence of philosophies and the presence of all sorts of stuff that's happening out there without having the presence of Jesus, friends, we get distracted, we get waylaid, we get tossed through uh, backwards and forwards all over the place and we lose our confidence and we lose our courage in him. Friends, we've got to make sure that in this time that we are with him. And he chose them to be with him. Remember, friends, part of the reason why we've got to be with him, he doesn't choose us to be, we don't, we're not chosen to be students of Jesus. We're chosen to be disciples of Jesus. A student learns a whole lot of things, head knowledge, academic, and so you end up knowing about Jesus. But actually we're called to be disciples that, that follow him, that walk with him, that know him, that know his teaching because they know him. They know the heart of the teaching, not just the words of the teaching. They follow in his dust. They get his dust on their clothes. It's not just in a classroom to be a student, but to be with him, to continually follow him. So even when we designated into the gifts and the influences that God has us for, and that might, might be the marketplace, that might be in teaching, that might be in anything, whatever God's called you to do, we never grow out of being a disciple. We're always disciples. We're always followers of Jesus. We, we never... <coughs> 
excuse me, we never become apostles at the expense of being disciples. We are always, always disciples. And apostleship or being apostles or being sent ones or being messengers of God is what we do. But who we are are disciples. And that's the same for every single one of us, friends. In this season of being rebuilders and restorers, of being priests and ministers, of being shepherds and harvesters, friends, we are first of all disciples of Jesus that know how to be with him. Are you growing? Are we growing? Are we learning? Are we following him? Are we hearing his voice? Are we at this time getting on with just being with him? It's incredible he doesn't just choose an individual. He chooses a team. He chooses 12 and he chooses 72. The reason why he doesn't choose one, friends, is because we don't grow as individuals. We have a personal faith, but we never live in an individualistic faith. We, we need, we, I need the tax collector to challenge me. I need the zealot to challenge me. I need the sons of thunder to challenge me. Because actually when I'm in this diverse mix, I begin to grow. I begin to find a way to love others and love Jesus in specific ways and in diverse ways. He doesn't just choose an individual, he chooses a team. It's so important, friends. I was asked, I met with a group of people this week, and one of them said to me, Stan, well, what's the thing? What's the, this passion for Jesus? We're, we're talking about staying passionate for God, that we don't want to grow old and grow crusty and grow cynical. We want to grow old and grow more passionate for God. And, he, and one of the guys said, what do you think that is? What is it? What's, you've, you've been around for a while. What is it? And I came back with this answer. Community, people that know me, that where I'm known and know. And actually they, they, they sharpen me without even knowing it. By just looking at lives, by, by hearing conversations, and then being directly corrected and challenged sometimes. But friends, it's so important. Jesus doesn't choose an individual. He gives the great commission to a team of people. We need to be followers of Jesus. We need to be with him. And then lastly, he sends them out. He sends them out. He designates them apostles. It's amazing. Matthew chapter 10 is the only time that they called apostles. Other than that, he appoints them as apostles. So he designates them as apostles. Their function is their going and their sentness and their outward focus and their sense of commission and and sense of going. Um, it's, Matthew's the only one where they called that. We, friends, we've got to make sure that we get rid of the titles. The church needs to, at this time, get rid of the titles and get on with the job of going and moving and being the people that he's called us to be by first being with him, by being put into a diverse group of people, just ordinary people that know an unbelievably faithful God that allows us to move into and accomplish great things. He chooses them and then he authorizes them. It's amazing in Matthew it says he, he, he gives them authority to heal the sick and to drive out demons. Friend, the kingdom of God comes with people that know that they're authorized by God. Let's not get small in this time. We have an authority that has been designated by, it's been given to us by the one who has all authority, Jesus. 
And we see that in Matthew chapter 28. But he gives us the authority to get on with what we call to do, to deal with what we faced with in front of us. If it's a sick person, if it's a demonic presence, if it's an unsolvable job in your a, a very difficult situation in your work, if it's a relational thing, we are authorized by the kingdom of God to bring the kingdom wherever we go. He not only authorizes us, but he actually anoints us to get the job done. He empowers us to get the job done. Friends, the church is still authorized. The church is still appointed to do what Jesus started to do. And we've got to keep reminding ourselves that going through a pandemic, the pandemic is not the biggest thing that's happening on the earth at the moment. The kingdom of God coming is the biggest thing that's happening on the earth at the moment. Still, still, that's the biggest thing. And people's lives are needing our voices, our presence our diversity, our ordinariness, our volunteer hearts, our servant hearts, our, our responding hearts, our presence to, bring the, to be the change that everybody is looking for. Friends, maybe the new normal, maybe the new normal is more of the kingdom of God in the city of Durban. Maybe the new normal is more of the power of God in our meetings. Maybe the new normal is more of your presence Amongst those that don't know Jesus. Maybe the new normal is what Jesus considered normal. And I want to encourage us at this time, friends. That's why he chose us. That's why I think he chose them. For their ordinariness, for their diversiveness, for their presence they pitched up. They responded to his call and then he authorized them and to be with him and to send them out. Let's be that group of people. Let's stay big in our thinking. Let's not get small. Let's not get distracted. Let's not get caught up in the wind and the waves of all sorts of conspiracy theories and all sorts of doctrines and all sorts of things. Let's get on with the thing that God's called us to do in Jesus' name. Bless you. Have an incredible, incredible day. Amen.